So we did a Q&A on Instagram. Uh, we asked the people who know about our podcast to send in some questions about MBTI, about physiotype, about personality type theory in general. And we got some questions back. And so we're going to be doing a bit of recap of what we've talked about so far in physiotype. And then after that, we're going to get into these questions. So to get us started, real quick, super basic summary, Colby, would you be able to give us a summary of what is physiotype? Physiotype is, for lack of a better word, a personality typing system. It was born from MBTI, though it is quite different. Uh, it consists mainly of three dichotomies, and those dichotomies are prone and supine, local and universal, and meta and mesa. And then just describe those three dichotomies very briefly. Uh, the prone-supine dichotomy. So people who are more prone are generally um, more action-oriented um, and l less agreeable. People who are supine are usually more agreeable, less action-oriented. Um, this tracks with like disagreeableness. Um, so people who are prone are more likely to be in managerial positions just because they're more disagreeable. They're willing to say no. They're willing to do their own thing. They're more you know dominant on average. Um, and then going to local universal, um, universal is actually a, a, it's a good word for this because it's actually used in metaphysics and maybe a few other niche fields to mean exactly pretty much what it means in physiotype. So universal means very concerned with abstracts, abstract objects, and big picture ideas. Basically, the one liner for universal is uh, universal things uh, apply to more things, um, but less specifically. So they're like principles. So you know when you use a principle, there's always exceptions and there's little circumstances within the actual uh, experience that you're having. But the principle is very broad. It applies to lots of things, um, but maybe it doesn't apply like perfectly to anything. It's broadly useful, but in a micro context, it's just one one piece, you know. Um, and so that's universal. Local would be something that is hyper uh, specifically true, uh, but not broadly useful. So let me let me say that let me try and say that one more time. Universal things are less true and more broadly applicable. Local things are more true and less broadly applicable. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah, meta mesa. Um meta mesa. Um meta is about things. Meta is about relationships and it's about descriptors and it's about properties. Mesa is about the thing itself. So um you're being meta if you're referring to yourself, of course. The traditional sense of meta is usually like recursion, but meta is recursion in the physiotype model, but it's also about um, self-reference as, as well as uh, referencing other people. Um, so it's about relationships, properties. It's about the details. Meta people will pack less things into abstract objects. This is because they're, meta is meta is more detail-oriented. It's about how things work, kind of. Um, and MESA is about the thing itself. So to MESA people, um, a thing is not just the sum of its components. Like, it is the sum of its components, but it has, like, very... There's a lot packed into this, like, ontologically real thing. 
Whereas to a meta person, they're just like, oh, everything is just a sum of its components. Nothing has meaning. Uh, everything is just these little <laughs> nodes that contribute to make something. Um, so metas might know how their phone works better because they think about all the different little components of the screen, the button, the the transistors, whatever. But a Mesa maybe will use their phone better because they're just viewing it as its own object. They don't like extrapolate the little details inside the phone. Um, so yeah. And then of course, physiotype is, uh, the, the entire point of physiotype is that you can infer all these things from people's uh, appearances and their gait and the way they talk. To map this to MBTI, prone and supine map pretty well with T versus F in MBTI, so thinking versus feeling. So thinking for MBTI would be prone for physiotype, and then feeling for MBTI would be supine for physiotype. Universal maps good with uh, with N for MBTI. So universal for physiotype, N or intuitive for MBTI. Uh, local then would map with sensing, so S for MBTI, local for physiotype. And then meta versus meza doesn't map with any specific dichotomy that's um, defined in MBTI, but the cognitive functions, any SI, uh, FETI would be meta functions. And then SENI, TEFI would be meso functions. Um, and if you're still confused, we have a blog that'll be in the show notes that'll explain this better than us. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, cool. QA? QA. So the first two questions are, which types are easiest for you to get along with? And the second question was asking about compatibility between types. So yeah, let's combine this into the two. Uh, personally, Colby, what types do you e most easily get along with? STPs, NTJs, and NFPs, and NTPs. Okay, okay. Any reasons why? No, I mean, there is no reason. It's uh, biological. I mean, there's a reason, but I. it's not like, <laughs> you know... Physiotypes about chemistry. So you you feel you have the most chemistry when you're talking to those people. Yeah, yeah. Like the most the most flow, yes. I guess. Would that be descriptive? That's correct. And if I see one of those people, I'm like, oh, they seem cool. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, for me, NTPs, SFPs, NFPs are probably the types that I get along with the easiest. And like you say, like I have the most flow with. I have friends that are many different types, but all the people I have the best flow with are those types and STPs. I get along pretty well with STPs as well. Hmm, interesting. And then, um, so of course, yeah, there is a, maybe in a later episode, we can do a whole one about like compatibility or like, uh, what type you tend to be friends with, um, or what we see, uh, in nature of like who, who people marry and stuff. Um, but there is a, a system. I think there's a formula actually that we have had at one point. I can kind of like list off, I can rattle off the different types that tend to gravitate towards each other. But I think there is a, um, a way to, uh, a couple sentences that comprise the entire thing where you could infer um, type to type attraction, whether it's friends, romantic or whatever. Especially romantic, I feel like there's a stronger pattern than even just platonically. Um, 
and, and like like we've said before like this is all dealing with averages so like never expect one person to not be someone you'd get along well with just because they they're a certain type um this is looking at like the general population and what people tend to gravitate towards but yeah so like romantically speaking basically any type that you share some functions with you're likely to get along with uh or share no functions with right or if you share no functions with them but you are both either universal or local yes so sfps sfjs ntps ntjs nfps nfjs so on and so forth again this is all speaking in averages but like there's plenty of nfps and sfps that are together and they share fi and te and there's plenty of nfps and ntps that are together and they share any si so if you're not going to share any functions with each other or we would expect you both to be either local or both to be universal otherwise it doesn't matter as long as you're sharing something in common and that's just on average so uh don't worry about it too much all right next question uh are there any self-administrable tests for physiotype yes uh oh self-administrable no i was gonna say send us a picture of your face (laughs) um so no if there was a self-administrable test for physiotype um that would be huge right because uh basically what we need to do is we need to be able to uh type someone and um me and Alex to say what type they are based on looking only at their face and then separately have some other method by which uh, they fall into that same category based on some type of um, non-physical features. If we actually had that, then um, we would be, you know, 10 steps ahead of where we are now. That's our main interest right now. Right, right. If we could have a test, if we could give someone a test and us write down what type they are before they take the test and, you know, not tell them what we wrote down, obviously, and then have them take the test and them come to the same uh, result that we did just by looking at them like the science of psychology would be different that would be huge however we do not have a test we can give people if we had that we it would it would be uh we do we would write a paper we'd do some publishing um uh and it doesn't even have to be self-administrable i mean that'd be great but um i would be happy if it, i would be happy even if we had you know there's a physical typing and then you know me and alex you know administrate some other not very, very not non-physical thing, something mental. And it also comes to the same uh, conclusions. Yeah, yeah, that's no, true. That's true. Like, I mean, even like brain scans. Yeah. So like the, the brainwave research we were doing, uh, which we'll talk about later, that's not that wasn't self-administratable, but that, w- that would still be very good evidence for physiotype. Do you guys ever disagree on physiotypes for someone? Um. Yes, but we're very agreeable people in general, so it's not really a big deal. We usually end up coming to the same conclusion. Yeah, yeah. The And usually the, the times that we have disagreed, it's been like two very close types that, you know, two functions are off or we're debating whether it's an STP or an NFJ and just which side of the inverse they are, that kind of thing. It's very, very rare for, like, one of us to be like, they're an NTP, and the other one to be like, no, they're an STJ or something. I don't know. 
You know what I'm saying. What do we base our predictions on? Uh, that's kind of already clear. I guess we can mention that real quick. Do you want to? Yeah, MBTI bases its predictions uh, either on consultants, quote unquote, that are that are licensed with the Myers Briggs Association. I forget the name of the organization that go and type people, or self-administered tests. Uh, both of which are based on answers that people give. So, um, while physiotype is based first and foremost, well, maybe based might be the wrong word, but first and foremost, we are looking at a physiological aspect, not answers that people give us. Today's episode is sponsored by people like you. We have a Patreon, a link below in the show notes. Why join the Patreon? Well, we look on our Patreon first for questions for our Q&A videos. Um, when it comes to us looking for people to interview in the near future, we will be looking at our Patreon first. So if you would like to be interviewed and you think you know what type you are, or if you know what type you are, uh, yeah, come check us out on Patreon. Thank you to all our Patreoners. Uh, next one. Does personality type trap you in a box that you can't get out of? Can I take this one? Sure. Yes, but it's a very large box. Um, so we do believe that physiotypes are immutable, meaning they do not change. Um, but uh, we're not saying we don't believe in free will. Physiotype doesn't make any claims about free will. Um, so there's always that. And then there's also... Um, Different uh, function stacks, you know, um, you could be a SFJ uh, that has high TI or an SFJ that has very low TI, etc. Um, so those things matter uh, as well. Um, and physiotype isn't super diagnostic anyways. So that's why I say it's a big box um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot you can do within physiotype. It's kind of just more the way you think. It's very mildly diagnostic of behaviors, I think. Um, yeah. So it's a big box, um, you know, go ahead and believe you have free will. That's a good thing in general. Um, <laughs> I would go as far to say as it's a much bigger box than what MBTI as the counter example gives as a personality type theory. An uh, MBTI, me as an ENFP, you would expect to be soft and sensitive and uh, super smart and any person that falls outside of those basic descriptors, you're likely to get typed as like an ENTP or an STP or an SFP. Coincidentally, Alex, you are all those things. You are soft and sensitive and super smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> um, however, in physiotype, you can be an NFP Granted, like harder NFPs are kind of rare, so it's a little bit less good of an example. But you can be an NFP and still have higher TE. You can be an NFP and be a bit more prone than the NFP next to you. It's you can, you know, NTJs and MBTI have this stigma of being super uh, air, not airheaded, um, ditzy, ditzy might be the word head in the clouds dreamy yeah like head in the clouds dreamy 
and also have like the the stereotype of being rude and being completely unaware of social interactions and like while that might be true with some ntjs and physiotype um those are not definitive in physiotype you can be an ntj that is a nice genuinely nice person you can be an ntj that is driven and focused on the people around them and on the things around them um but i digress basically yes i agree with you it's a box it's just it's a very big box that allows for a lot of personal growth and a lot of change yeah and it's important to me um this is kind of related it's important to me that uh we gain empirical evidence for physiotype so i I don't want to be too hand because I don't want our listeners to think that when we're saying, oh, it's a very big box, it doesn't really trap you into a box, it's a very big box. I don't want them to think that we're saying this uh, so that we have a non-falsifiable theory. Um, we are working towards a non-falsifiable thing. We, we want it to be falsifiable. Um, so the fact is, it is a big box, but that doesn't mean that it's, um, that doesn't mean that it's not falsifiable. So we are working on defining the, the borders of that box. Uh, and, the, and the borders will definitely be defined by averages. Um, and then we can have a fu- we can have a fuzzy box for individuals, and that'll be smaller, but like a very big a bigger box with severe distinct borders um, for averages. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, on mm-hmm. average, you know, there's this many STPs doing this, and that's a fact. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, and I mean we we do have lines. the The issue is the lines we have drawn are. You know, people, people are living things. People are conscious people. So the, the lines we draw for our, for example, any versus NI, you know, the lines we draw that any is meta and NI is meza and that we'd expect NI to be much better at visualizing things and any be much better at, um, uh, subcategorizing like these are lines that we're drawing. However, these are lines that are hard to see in behavior without doing something self-administered. And then, you know, if we just rely on self-administration, we're running, we're, uh, we're running into the same problems that MBTI has. You can't ask an NTP, how well do you visualize? And ask them to actually give you like a good answer if they've only seen their own visualizations, you know? So like an NTP could give a 10 because they think that they visualize great and they might be completely naive to the fact that the NTJ next to them can visualize 10 times better than they can. So it's like we we have lines. It's just it's hard to empirically test the lines that we currently have. And that's why we're working towards more concrete lines. Well said. Next question. Uh, does culture cause types or do types cause culture? Is this genetic? So this is, this is a paraphrase question. Um, I would love to start with this one, if that's okay, Alex. Yes, please do. Um, so yeah, different cultures have more of certain types. This is because physiotype is uh, 100% genetic. And because it's 100% genetic, I think for the most part, types cause culture more than culture causes types. Obviously, this doesn't mean that types of the sole creator of culture i they're i'm sure they're the minority um they have an influence on culture but they're probably not the greatest influence on culture it's fairly strong 
but but culture influences types or uh types influence culture more than culture influence types for sure um and yeah it's all genetic uh would love to find the exact uh gene for different types uh that's that's a, that's a long way off yeah so just as, as three examples i have in my head um western whites western white people um and i think ashkenazi jews too tend to be um any people uh a, a bit of any i mean any dom is not super common it's not like rare or anything but uh they are relatively any high um extroverted uh intuiting so that would be um in physiotype that would be uh meta universal high um relatively meta universal high um black americans um are there's lots of stps and nfjs so you know they're very ti heavy uh so lots of stps and nfjs um that's partially why black americans have great voices nfjs often have wonderful voices uh or stps too if they're um balanced well um and then uh eritreans i think i don't know this is a this is less confidence but i think eritreans for instance are um fairly uh, fi culture to add to that um i can't speak for all south america but colombians colombia is very very se heavy lots and lots of stps lots and lots of sfps um mm. yeah latin culture has lots of se huh yeah yeah that's why they're so fun <laughs> <laughs> honestly I, yeah. I was about to say um could you imagine a culture of very heavy S-I-N-E being a culture that is known for its dancing and known for its exotic cuisines and... Absolutely not. Yeah, and this is a great... Uh, I mean, physiotype... Another reason why physiotype is cool is because it explains why white people can't dance. And... Uh, <laughs> no, no, like why on average white... Western white dance culture is um, lacking, it seems... And people, and literally, I believe it is, I mean, it's, we all say this as jokes, but if it's actually true, it's actually quite interesting and meaningful. Everyone believes it's true, but we get to kind of joke about it. But if it's true, it's actually quite interesting. The fact that, uh, whites aren't as good as dancing as, uh, let's say like white Americans are not as good as dance at dancing as black Americans. That sounds crazy. Like it's a funny joke that we all say, but like, there's an actual reason for it that physiotype can explain, uh, generally we can go and we can have a whole episode about dancing and rhythm, but yeah, uh, yeah I think a physiotype has a decent explanation for that kind of phenomenon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. Obviously, there's exceptions. We're talking about averages here, people. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Culture is a great way of looking at an average without having the empirical data for that entire population. Yeah, because you expect a culture to represent the majority, usually. Okay, here's another one. I guarantee you, uh, white Americans per capita, white Americans like uh, techno music more than black Americans. That's that's another thing I'm going to say. I don't have evidence for it. That's a prediction. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know. Yeah. But I would be very interested to find out, to be honest. Uh, something that just occurred to me now as well is, um, I, again, I can't speak for all South Americans. I can only speak for Colombians. But Colombians are very, very prone to protesting. Very prone to protesting. Any little thing, and they'll protest. 
Um, I think you see that more in first off because of SE and second off because of lots of high TI and high willingness of disagreeableness. Um, yeah. And again, we're, I'm talking like I looked at people's faces first, realized how many STPs there were, and then started thinking about all the cultural implications that could have. And then started thinking about how, wow, they dance a lot. Wow. They protest like crazy, you know? So this isn't, this isn't really me thinking, Oh, they protest a lot. So they must be STP. You came to the two conclusions separately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like you, like you said, like that's, that means something. Yeah. And you're, you're for our viewers, you're half Colombian. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Half Colombian, half Puerto Rican. Half Puerto Rican, okay. Uh, so our viewers know as well, I am uh, half white and half white. <laughs> Beautiful. And I am not the exception to the rule that uh, whites uh, tend to not be able to dance very well. <laughs> There's so much we could talk about there, but I think you're right in that we should devote a whole episode to that. I mean, like half these questions we could devote whole episodes to, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you enjoyed the episode, or if you didn't, uh, if you loved it, if you hate it, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to your podcast. It helps us a lot. It helps us figure out if you guys are enjoying it, what we should do to change. Uh, even if you don't want to type out a full-length review, leaving us some stars would be more than enough. Uh, Again, we appreciate you listening in and we hope you enjoyed it and we will see you in the next episode.